Hey there, I'm Christopher Schoenwald and welcome to Life As A, a show intently focused on helping people find their professional pathway by exploring and unearthing the details of jobs from around the world. The pandemic, I mean, that certainly brought our world to a standstill. But have you ever stopped to think about what some of those run-on effects are? I mean, we see it in the newspapers every now and then or online, you know, these stories. But also what's really interesting to begin to track now are some of these positive social impact changes that are starting to trickle out. And on today's show, I have a story that does center on this issue. And it's with this guest who's coming out of Nigeria and what he saw there during 2020 when COVID was just raging is basically youth were not allowed to go to school anymore. So they were out on the streets and this distressed my guest and actually led him to start several different companies within the educational sector, not to mention an NPO on top of all that. And the talk today, we dive into this, this inspiration. We dive into aspects of running a company, you know, things like purposeful action, purposeful leadership, and all that stuff. Not only that, we get into, you know, Africa as a whole. Africa as a whole moving forward, you know, some of the challenges, some of the opportunities of what that continent offers to the rest of the world. So I'm hoping that you're uh, you're going to tune into this one because I think we've got a great show lined up for you today. All right. Well, let me more formally introduce our guest today and uh, then we'll welcome to the show. Joshua Bonya is a pan-African visionary leader and serial entrepreneur who empowers those across Africa and beyond for sustainable progress through education, community development, tech solutions, as well as agricultural solutions. And he believes that sustainable education is at the core of community development and nation building. And with over a decade of experience in the formal education sector, from being a teacher and then a consultant, Joshua saw a desperate need for innovation, inclusion, and collaboration within the educational sector. So in 2020, all of this led to Joshua founding and becoming the Chief Vision Officer at eSchool Now Group, an education, tech solutions, and advisory group of companies. And the group is divided into three broad organizations, and I'm just going to run through them with you right now, just so you're, you're well primed for this talk today. So the first is eSchool Now, a tech solutions and advisory company which builds mobile and web applications, as well as offering a wide range of digital services such as website development and premium branding. And the company also received an award for one of the top 20 website creators for 2022 by the mega internet host, Bluehost. Now, his second company that fits under this umbrella of, uh, of holdings is called Tech School, an online school of technology and entrepreneurship education for kids, teens, and young adults with a wide range of hands-on accelerated tech courses to methodically develop and position tech talents from Africa, for Africa, and beyond. And finally, the third is eTeacher Network, which is a nonprofit dedicated to connecting education, promoting collaboration and inclusion, and providing superior knowledge, resources, and network to a global community of educators. And with a close to a decade of experience and educational background in aquaculture and fisheries, Joshua also facilitates multiple projects in the agriculture value chain and sits on the board of several agritech startups. Finally, and quite possibly unbelievably so, Joshua still has a little bit more time left to be able to dedicate his time and resources to several communities, business incubation, and acceleration programs. Amongst other things, he speaks about entrepreneurship, education, tech, and purposeful leadership. So with all that stated, Joshua, I mean, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome you to the program. And quite honestly, I mean, it's it's a wonder that you have any time to uh, to, to, to give to this podcast. So it's an honor again and uh, really excited to get into it today with you. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm awesome, Chris. I'm awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, an amazing opportunity to be here today. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Well, like I said, we're excited to get into it here. And, you know, why don't we? I do have this first segment lined up, something called Coloring Wikipedia. Uh, as my listeners know, it's basically just a segment where I read off a, a definition of what the guest does. And I do it for a couple of reasons. You know, one, it brings everybody up to speed on what the actual, you know, work is like for that person. But then also, too, I think it's interesting in the sense that 
based on the industry or even based on the location or region of the world, sometimes, you know, like I might hold a title of some sort, you might have the exact same one, but we approach it differently. We own that position differently. So I think that kind of makes it interesting to explore as well. So with that in mind, I do have you down here for entrepreneur. And uh, I did go with a fairly general catch-all definition here. I'm going to read that off shortly. But uh, I was thinking, you know, after I do so, you can kind of fill in the blanks based on, you know, all that you've done, all that you're currently doing, and uh, we can explore things from there. Does that sound okay? Awesome. Let's do it. Okay, here we go. So entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is an individual who creates and or invests in one or more businesses, bearing most of the risks and enjoying most of the rewards. The process of setting up a business is known as entrepreneurship. The entrepreneur is commonly seen as an innovator, a source of new ideas, goods, services, and businesses or procedures. Like I said, pretty general there, Joshua, but first take, what do you think of that? Awesome. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I think um, that that's um, kind of general. And I think the very first thing that I learned when it has to do with entrepreneurship is to really redefine terms, right? Redefine. That's one of the things you're going to be getting a lot in, in our talk today, redefining a lot of things. And um, I had to redefine what entrepreneurship itself was to me, right? So I would say in my journey, I've seen that it is beyond just um, the venture. It is beyond just um, capitalism because that definition almost sounds like just, you know, saying capitalism, you know. So Paul, I, I would say it has to do with anyone that has a burning desire to make impact, a difference, anyone that has a burning desire to make a, a difference, that is where it starts, right? Uh, that burning desire is very important to make an impact because then the concept of entrepreneurship, it's that's also where we get entrepreneurship from. Right, that's where all that stuff flows in from. So if you say entrepreneurship and entrepreneur is just about starting and you know running businesses, then how about the entrepreneur that helps the entrepreneur in the business to become what it needs to be? Right. So it's the mindset, and of course, if I had to come up with an understanding or a, a, a basic definition for myself, that anyone that starts a business is a businessman, and but the one that solves a problem. Is an entrepreneur because there are businesses that actually causes more problems and solves them. So solve problems, have a burning desire to do to make change, even if you don't know how. That's the entrepreneurship in you there. So for me, that's what I'm going to be. Yeah, I like that. I like that, and it's interesting too. I mean, within this program here, Life as a, I've been fortunate enough to to speak with several different entrepreneurs, and the interesting thing too is that you know I read off similar definitions to this one, not exact, but quite similar. And each and every time the person gives me something different, which is awesome because like it speaks to this point of it being such an incredibly personal experience and what it means. I mean, there is some commonality, of course, you know, like what you're speaking of passion, like that's always one of the things that has to be there for any successful entrepreneur. But uh, the point that you raised today that really stood out to me, they were all great points, but the one was the, the, the entrepreneur, somebody within a company who's building something basically. And that's that was a whole different sort of take on it that, yeah, once you're explaining, I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't even consider that side of it. But, but it makes, you know, again, makes complete sense. And it was just an interesting perspective to, to kind of look at things that way. So, yeah. Yeah. So take like, um, say, the CEO of Google and several of these great unicorns and companies, the, the, the necessary are not the founders of the organization, but they had to be an entrepreneur. Now an entrepreneur, they had to have the entrepreneurship mindset, which means they have to be the entrepreneur in the organization to really drive the, the change and stuff. So you see all those nine to five freelancing, I mean, definition is a big thing for me. I redefine everything around me. So I would give you a, a different set of definition based on what I believe and how it applies. So I think that's really amazing. Yeah, great insight. Yeah, I, I like that. Right out of the gate here, we're, uh, we're, we're, you're giving up some gems uh, to, to listeners. So that's, that's fantastic. In, in terms of, you know, like I, I'd lightly introduced some of the things that you're involved with, your group companies, basically, three of them, and well, with the nonprofit in there as well. I mean, certainly you're quite busy. And just really quickly, I mean, what is a typical day or week for you? I mean, does such a thing even exist for you right now? I'd imagine you're just getting pulled <laughs> in several different directions based on whatever the needs of the day are. Oh my, okay. So yeah, 
a day, a week is crazy, really, really crazy. But let me let me say. So basically, we have more of I, I do more of meetings, more of meetings, internal and external meetings, because now we have we do have cross-functional team across the group. You mentioned that we do run a group of companies. So across the group, there are cross-functional teams, and then you now have to meet with these teams, you know, follow up with project, you know, activities and uh you know, sometimes, you know, rarely, rarely, because now we do a lot of online and virtual and remote working and stuff. We do more of remote work for generally almost everything that we do. So that that makes me sit down a lot within the office to have these meetings, you know, and really we have to now step out. But then I also do have time for mentorships. So that's one thing that is unique on Thursdays. Thursdays are, I don't, I don't. I don't debate it. I always use my Thursdays mentorship. So I'm a part of communities where I mentor um, several Africans as well, sharing and helping them really at least get to the point where I have the capacity to share and then, you know, refer them to whatever I can refer them whenever I get, we get that. So that's, and the day, it can start as early as five o'clock a.m., four o'clock a.m., depending and sometimes it, it, it can get way deep into the morning. Sometimes it can get so crazy that we, you know, I know I've done 24 hours, I've done uh, 48 hours, right? All straight up, but I'm not advising the people that are listening <laughs> to this podcast to go do 48 hours. Well, <laughs> I do have I do have the grace for it, but not all the time, of course. The, 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 the typical time would be at in the morning, say around five, and then um, within the 12 p.m. midnight, I should be, I should be talking about you know retiring and get get strength for the next day. Yeah, so. it's pretty intense. Well, one thing that stood out to me right there was, uh, and it, this kind of like tracks back to the definition in a way too of entrepreneurship, is this notion of giving back. You know, and then you know you devoting say a Thursday each week to that, and then oftentimes like that's something again within the world of entrepreneurship. But usually, more times than not, it's associated with somebody who's made it you know they've they've cashed out or like they've achieved their wealth or whatever else and then they start giving back which you you're still you know well along that journey like you're you're experiencing success certainly but you know you'd probably say too man you haven't reached the pinnacle of what all of your dreams and ambitions are you know heading or tracking towards right now but yet you're still finding some time to be uh, to trying to give back and to share whatever knowledge, you know, and experiences that you have with others to try to help them along too. And that's, that's yeah, and that's something that stood out to me right away. Thank you, Chris, because um, I think that's, that's very necessary because I think when I started something, something very, something happened within the time that I started this journey. Information was not easily accessible as it was, as it is today. It wasn't, it was... It was tough to get information. In fact, when you found someone doing the things that you wanted to do, they they are they are avoiding you. They don't want to share because it's more like they are not sure. Not because they hate you, but they are not sure. Some of them are not just sure that you can handle the information. They are not sure that you would appreciate the information, and uh, so they, they don't share. So it was hard for me to get information. I had to prove that I was worthy of that information. I had to prove it. It's almost one of the things you're going to hear. I had to prove it. And then that, that helped me get as much as I could get. So I've been learning. So, but then I said, and, and some people would believe they don't have to share their story until they get to the end. But you see, it doesn't work that way. The mid journey has something that someone else would learn at that place. If you share it, it could probably help someone in distress immediately. So we don't know it all. Like I said, like you also alluded, but you know, what we know, what we've seen, we're willing to share and um, be a ladder for other people to also get to where they need to be. So it's it's pretty much important for me. Giving back is critical. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, if you can start integrating that sort of mentality early on within your business, within your journey of being an entrepreneur, it's going to serve you well all the way through, right? I mean, you're learning yourself by giving back and teaching and, and, and whatnot. Like you're, you're crystallizing a lot of the ideas and theories and things that you've been part of or you've been witnessing or testing yourself. So I think there's, there's you know, in a selfish way, there's a lot of reflection that can take place and, and benefit to the person, the, the giver, you know, just as much as a receiver there. So, yeah. All right. Well, with that in mind, maybe we could actually shift into another segment here, something called Pathways. 
And uh, the spirit of this segment basically is to to hear a little bit more about the, the guest's background. You know, oftentimes I think youth especially, they see these people who have, you know, experienced success and automatically a lot of people just sort of assume that whoever this person was, they had this one vision and their dream was this and they just followed this straight line exactly towards the end goal, right? <laughs> but from my experience and probably yours, you know, like most people, it just doesn't go that way. There's left-hand turns, right-hand mm-hmm. turns, going around in circles for a while, you know, mm-hmm. dropping off a cliff and then finally mm-hmm. finding your way. And like, you know, it's it's more, yeah, that's a lot closer to the reality there. And uh, almost every single sure. guest reinforces that each and every time I go through the segment. And uh, I, I'd be really curious to hear about your journey, you know, how how did you arrive to this point where you are right now? Awesome, awesome question. So uh, my journey is a very wonderful one. <laughs> <laughs> like you said. <laughs> but then I think it's more of design. My journey, I believe, I do believe that my journey has been more of uh, designed and reactive in the sense that from the beginning, growing up, I always knew I wanted to make a difference. That was why I said, this is where it starts. I knew I wanted to make a difference. I knew I wanted to be big. I I knew, in fact, I already knew I wasn't going to work for anybody. Let me even start with that. But it it wasn't, for me, it wasn't just the seeking independence that brought me into entrepreneurship. It was the fact that I truly, genuinely wanted to make change in the world. I wanted to make a difference. So, I did a lot of things starting from my high school days. High school days, I remember I went to a boarding school. Funny story. I went to a boarding school and then we we had this, the way, I'm in Nigeria, the way it is, our schools in the eastern part of Nigeria, students could, you know, I, I'm sure it happens anywhere as well, but students always tend to look for a way to leave the school illegally and uh, do whatever they want to do. So basically, I would leave then, my friends would leave, but the difference between myself and them is that they would leave to go play games, do whatever they want to do. But next to the house where they play their games, there's a bread factory. Now, I would I would walk into this bread factory, take my money, buy bread, hot bread. It's, it's still very fresh. I'll bring it back to the hostel. These guys will not buy the bread from the bread factory. They will play their games, do whatever they want to do, come back in the hostel, and buy the bread. Nice. Okay. All right. I like that. I like that. Yeah. So that was, so you, you can imagine that, that that was, you know, long before then, you know, I've always been, I've always been enterprising. So I, I think that's what I've always been enterprising. I've tried different things, even after when I was done with high school, that almost got me into trouble anyways, because that's illegal. But I, I, I did make a lot of money as a then, as what I could make selling bread. But coming out of, of high school, getting into the university, I did a lot of things. Um, sometimes I, I didn't even make profit. I, there was a time I did an enterprise. It was just to pay people. I, I call it a Ponzi scheme today. I look at it today and I call it a Ponzi scheme. But as I said, then I thought it was a, an amazing business enterprise. But I just enjoyed, you know, um, really being in the business sector and how it works and really being able to impact people's lives. At the end of the day where someone says, wow. Because of this person, I'm able to eat. Because of this person, I'm able to, or I, I, my life is transformed. So that that has been my driver. So having that in mind, when I got into the um, university, I wanted to go for a course that will be not just not sound interesting, but will be will give me the opportunity to be, you know, entrepreneur, right? So then I decided to go for agric. In fact, I did. My journey was wonderful, but I, I finally settled down settled down in agric. I majored in fisheries. I did that for five years, studied. In fact, the very first company I founded wasn't Iskunangro. The very first company I founded was an agri-tech company, right? That was the first, the first company I founded. In fact, we've been very operational, legally registered. We're doing a lot of uh, consultancy and stuff. But for me, it's always been passion, not just passion, but purpose. Right. One of the things that you're probably going to hear a lot from me, purpose, I had to discover what's my purpose. And then uh, my passion was now a catalyst. If I if my passion was not in line with my purpose, I would learn something that was in line with that. So it was passion wasn't the thing. But basically, 
from that point, you know, I, 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 I've been very passionate, still passionate about agriculture and everything that has to do with it. You know, but then 2020 happened. 2020 happened. Long story short, I was looking at my environment. I was looking at the, the first thing that happened, of course, you know, that we were shut down and then schools closed, no schools. Then, you know, start seeing the young people in the streets, the, the decay in character started started emerging. A lot of things started happening wrongly. And then that got me thinking, that got me worried because I've always been a, a, a um, you know, young people person. I, I I've, um, I don't have the time to get into it, but I've been a part of several young youth organizations and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I love doing things like that. But then in thinking about the what I could do and what it is that could be the solution, because at that then my, my, my main aim was, how do I get these children to go back to school? How do I get this, the students to at least start learning from home? Because the technologies that we have in several parts of Nigeria, you know, wasn't, they had not you know, embraced this technology. So when COVID hit, they were not prepared for that. So what can we do to really help them cushion that effect of the COVID, especially when it has to do with the life of the children? I was part of the founding members of a school, an elementary school here in Nigeria. I was, I've been a part of the institution, not really because I wanted to be in education, you know, um, I would be told several times, Joshua, get a degree in education, do something in education. But I never pictured myself in that frame that I would ever, ever have to do anything in education. I, I, I never wanted it. I just wanted to be in the agriculture space, real estate. You know, I wanted to just use any vehicle of the economy that I could use to achieve my purpose. That was just what I was interested in doing. But then finally... I now found out that being in the education space for over 10 years, because like basically what it, I was, I was there as a teacher. I was there as a teacher. I never got paid for 10, for 10 years anyways. Let me also mention that. I never got paid. I was never in the payroll. I paid people, but I was never in the payroll. So I was, I was once a teacher. I was in the kindergarten. I was, I was in the administrative side of it. And I was also, at some point I managed the school even myself, but I think I was very affiliated with that particular school because of the family affiliation. It was it was kind of you know related to family. So I was doing it just as, as, as though I was trying to support. In my support, I didn't know I was gathering valuable experiences that I would be needing in 2020. I didn't know that I was programming my mind for the solution I was going to be bringing into the world from 2020. So when that happened, that was when it dawned on me that, oh, wow, I've been prepared for this time. What can I do for this time? And I'm a very creative person as well. Apart from being a leader, I'm a very creative person. I do a lot myself in terms of technicalities. I do a lot myself, really. Then I had to put together a team, share the vision with them because, you know, with zero cents and zero dollars, we decided to get started. And uh, it was very interesting as we started. Like I said, our aim was just to get students back to school. That was just the aim. But, it, you know, that was how we started. So down the line in 2021, we finally decided to incorporate it legally as an organization, uh, LLC. That was how we started in 2021. And then going from 2021, the, the growth was so rapid that in 2022, we decided we had, you know, it became clearer. You know, because it was more like I'm kind of very spiritual person. So I do things as well in terms of purpose and spirituality as well. So spiritual in the terms that I believe that God's, God speaks to me through several ways as well, maybe through his words and through the Holy Spirit inside of me, not to make it a religious show. But then it was, it was also that witness letting me know that I needed to do something. That was what got me started in the education space. I needed to do something for the community. I needed to those experiences I, I had was now going to play out, right? So that was how it started. So we just started um, implementing those technologies, you know, for schools so then and helping students get back to school. But then over time, we had to grow bigger. We said that we have to really come to the education space. We have to look at it as a big time thing. Education is, I'm a firm believer in education. I believe that our schools, in fact, I, I have this theory that our schools, country, our communities, and the world is designed in the classroom. Using the classroom as a collective term for everything that has to do with the school, the, the environment, everything. So that made me look into the education space and say, what, 
what are the value chains within the education space. And then we now decided, okay, let, let's, we have to now fully look into that. That's the idea of the, the different members of the group that we have. But I'm sure we'll get more into it, into the story. But, you know, that's more like the background of, of how we got here. So it's just been passion, purpose, and then, uh, of course, that, that drive to really make a change. Yeah, so, yeah. And I mean, might be a nice point to segue into this next segment here, Q&A Discovery. You can kind of continue this back and forth. But there's something on your website, on the main website, that is a, a tagline of the eschoolnow.com website. And it was, I'll just read it off really quickly for you and, of course, for listeners. It says, empowering Africa for sustainable progress through education, technology, and entrepreneurship. And what you were just sharing with me right there kind of encapsulates a lot of that right there. Like you, you're, you're covering so many different areas, like you said. I mean, that space within education is so vast. You know, you can really, if you want to be serving all of these different needs within the system or even many of those needs, I can see the reasoning why you would probably, if you're experiencing this this massive growth and you know demand, how you would have to start separating into different branches. In essence, maybe different you know companies or an NPO here to serve this need, a company that's focused only on this aspect. So yeah, that that tagline there, I think, kind of brings it all together. At least it does for me. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but am, am I on anything there? Is that is that kind of how it all ties in? It does. It does, it does, it does bring it together because that's like uh, empowering Africa for not just progress, but sustainable progress, right? Through education. And then, like I said, we had to really look at the different value chains within the education space. So that's where you, you talk about the, the, the students, the, the pupils or the, the children, those ones, the kids and teens, of course, these, these are the, the outcomes. These are the, the, they are the real clients here. Right, these are the people that everything is done for. So, how do we target these people directly? The education system in Nigeria, in Africa, has really been the curriculums outdated. The systems is is just it's failed. Really, I'm I'm not saying this to really paint the region, but but it's the truth. And and I think it's not just in Nigeria. It's also you you get to some some parts of the you know US and several other places. You see that the yeah. education is really failing big time. Uh, uh, people because you come out and then there's nothing you can do with what you have gathered over the years, you know, but it's so important. So we had to say, what can we give to the students directly? That was what Better Tech School, that was what Better Tech School, which is the online school of technology and entrepreneurship education, not just technology this time around. Can we teach children tech and can we teach them business at the same time? If they learn tech and they learn business, they will be able to use their tech skills for good. Else, there will be a tool in the hand of someone that knows how that knows the business, and the person can use them for good or evil. So um, we decided to give the kids that opportunity to learn tech and business, and then for the for the teachers or the educators that interact with the students, if you, you can't pour from an empty cup and you can't give what you don't have, so we had to target the educators, and these are people that are on the paid, largely on the paid within the region. And I, I don't know if I, I'm sure it's not just in Africa, but in several other places, educators are on the plane. So, and if you have to do anything for educators, truly and genuinely, it has to be a non-profit because what are you going to get from them? You, you, you can't go in there in the mindset of trying to get anything from them. So that is an all give back enterprise. If I, yesterday we approved the payment, just yesterday, we approved the payment for the challenge that we just completed, 20 days challenge that we just completed for the winners. And several other things that are supposed to roll out, all, all is in the in the light of giving back. So that had, had to be a nonprofit. And that's why we had to launch out the ETCHA network, like you uh, rightly mentioned in the bio. And then eSchool now itself, as the mother organization, now focuses on building tech solutions. So we come into an institution, we say, this educational institution is a transformative institution. Can we use technology to automate some things for you so that your educators can focus on being educators and not, you know, uh, people that are now trying to get things done? So that's the idea. So we're really covering the entire value chain of education. Of course, this now, and of course, um, we build tech solutions. So we, we now had to open it more, not just to education, but also to businesses, brands, hospitality. So tell us what you want to do and we build it. That, that's really that that's really a profit-making enterprise. It's good. Yeah. But the other ones are really out there to, 
you know, what impact are we going to make? Of course, we still make impact on school now, but we're going to charge you a lot. So. <laughs> That's, that's just the difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, what strikes me is something that you said about, you know, education. And, and again, like I would concur that this this is not an issue that's, say, just, you know, relegated to, say, within Africa, but definitely within the U.S., within you know, Europe, elsewhere. I mean, I think education, like modern education, is still falling behind. It's, it's, it's not offering enough in the way of things like technology and, and entrepreneurship. I mean, some... Some programs are starting to slowly introduce it, but still, I mean, still, it is just failing. Like, students are coming out, yes, crammed with a lot of theories and whatnot, and, and with some skills, obviously, and some knowledge, but it doesn't necessarily match up to the world that we're living in right now. Like, they can't apply all of that information True. as seamlessly as maybe they could have 20 or 30 years ago. The demands are just different now. So it makes sense to be, you know, having opportunities or promoting opportunities for, for students, for children to start developing these skills while they are in school. If, I mean, the school systems aren't going to be putting it out there, then, you know, at least private organizations, whether it be like for-profit or non-profit, but at least there's something there for kids that do have interest in some of these areas and, uh, you know, want, want to advance their, you know, themselves and their, their knowledge base. So, yeah, I like that. I like that quite a bit. I do want to shift over to another question here, though, if we could. And I see that the e-teacher network, you also have a lot of events. And this is kind of returning to this point of supporting teachers. And there's something called an educator's retreat, complete with speakers, networking opportunities, mentorship sessions. And this is, again, just one example of some of the events that you hold. And I would say that probably at this point within the conversation, it's pretty clear of like how comprehensive of an approach that you have towards, you know, serving the needs of the educational system, at least within your own country and possibly beyond in the future. But my question here is, is how are you pulling all this together? You've, you've spoken about this lightly already, but, uh, you know, notions of, of leadership and probably delineation of responsibilities and whatnot. But then also, too, like, again, like for you, returning to you, how are you personally able to oversee a, a lot of these things and keep track of it all? Okay. Million dollar question, <laughs> by the way. It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a big one. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned HJ Network because as a nonprofit, people would argue that you have to be making a lot of profit to be able to give back. Like you said earlier in the beginning, you have to be making a lot of profit. And if you notice, we quickly branch out as a group quite early. You know, some people stay as one, one institution for many years before they have to branch out or group up, or, you, know, you know, become a holding company or something like that. But we had to quickly do it because we knew that we had to really give in structured impact. It had to be, like you mentioned, comprehensive. I've heard that a lot. A lot of speakers, a lot of people get in, get in what, they, what we do. And the first thing they say is that it's comprehensive, the impact that you've had over the few years that you've been. And I said, that's the idea. And you see, with each network, with each school now, with all that we've done, I think the idea how we've been able to oversee everything, it's, it's really been purpose. That's where it starts for me. Because there has been days where, apart from people around asking you, are you sure this is the right thing to do? You ask yourself, are you sure this is the right thing to do? Because, you know, Again, you argue you have to have a lot before you give back. But then the system is a system that is really, is decayed. It's, it's dying. A lot of educators are losing faith and hope in the system. In fact, they, 2020 made, cost a lot of shift in the workforce generally, but guess where was majorly affected? It was the education space. The education sector was majorly affected because many of these people don't want to work again. The young people in the system, they've left, they don't want to work again. How do we motivate them to do the biggest job, what I call the biggest job on the planet, raising the next generation? That has been the drive. And with that drive, what I found myself doing, like you see, my title is Chief Vision Officer. Right? That is also one of the things I had to redefine for myself. 
Why do I have to be a chief executive officer? It doesn't mean anything. I have to be a chief vision officer. I have to be a chief welfare officer. I have to preach, you know, and, and, and we're a company that have grown vertically as well, right? A group of companies that we've grown vertically, we've never received funding, we've never received anything. I'm not saying it's awesome, but of course we are, do, we are positioned really to receive accelerated, acceleration funding and, and all that stuff. But, you know, uh, we've been able to grow via customer adoption and stuff like that. So when it comes to what we've done so far, it's just been purposeful leadership purposeful leadership, sharing the message with other people, knowing that the impact that you want to do cannot be done alone. You can't do it alone. You have to share with other people and you have to know that it's possible, yes, I got to share and some people will get it and some people will not get it, right? So those that get it, they're wrong with it. I'll also lead up front. So um, um, like I said, I'm a very creative person. So I'll, I'll leave the trail. I'll show you the path, I'll leave the trail, let you follow until you're strong enough to leave the trail for other people to follow behind you. So I think part of what has made our success so far is the one, two, three person that has been able to really align with the vision and push it forward to what it is today and what it is growing to become. And I think that's been the key ingredient to how I'm really able to you know, achieve all that. But truly, for anybody listening to me, so they understand there's a lot of hard work to it. Like I said, I have to lead up front. I have to do a lot myself, especially at the beginning. Show them that you are worth the vision. I've had some of my team members tell me, you know what? You are worth to be the leader. You are worth this vision. You are worth all you say. And I'm a people person. And when I hear things like that, it, it really gets me so much. So, and that's something that you have to learn. You know, sometimes you have to bootstrap. We call it bootstrapping in entrepreneurship. Do it yourself. Do a lot of things yourself. Show them the way and then allow people to, you know, get on board and do what they can do. Allow them. Really allow them. If they fail, let them fail. But let them know that failure is a part of learning and also teach them. So, and, and also part of, part of it is as well knowing that it's not, it's not bad to learn on the journey. Right, great CEOs, great founders, etc. All started one day, right? So don't be afraid of starting. I also think that's also one of the things that has helped me. So start somewhere and learn on the job. Learn being a good leader. I've learned how to be a good leader. I wasn't born a good leader. I've learned from my people, from experiences, from different things, and I'm still learning today. So and I think that's that's really been the key ingredient. Purposeful leadership has been the key ingredient. Uh, of, of what we've had. To. Yeah, yeah. One of the other things that stands out to me too is awareness, you know, awareness of yourself and, and what is working perhaps in, in these moments and, and what is critical to advancing your agenda. You know, this being this, this notion of leadership and helping others along as well and inspiring them to, to buy into what you're trying to, to instill essentially, right? But none of that can happen unless you are aware of your own actions you're aware of you know the words that you choose when you're speaking to others and you know how you're encouraging them or whether you're putting them down or not i mean it's a big big difference right and that that, that all feeds into a leadership approach or, or management style so yeah i think that's another big part of it right there too so i would also add inclusion yeah one thing i would also add is inclusion making people feel parts like that like they have like their role they have to play is, is important. That's also been very, very, very critical to, to where we are. Because when people feel that what I'm doing is necessary and what I'm doing is appreciated, they'll, they'll give in their best. Even if it's one, two persons, it will be a good thing for you. To well, I can on. see how a lot of this work has probably affected you in a lot of positive ways. I mean, it's, it, it sounds quite impactful, you know, on, on a number of different fronts. So I can just imagine. But I would actually like to shift on over into this middle segment here, a water cooler story segment. And here I just ask guests to indulge listeners with the story related to the profession. And uh, you can take it any way you like, but I'm really interested to hear what you have for us today, Joshua. All right, so uh, I did see this session in uh, stuff you sent, and then I say, I'll choose the side of hope. You know, sometimes we share so much and how painful it was, but when was the time that we saw a bud of hope, a seed of faith? When, when did we see that? So we had just started. This is related to tech school. 
Online School of Technology and Entrepreneurship Education. It was 20, 2021, we knew that we were going to branch out, that we had to really launch a solution, particularly for this purpose. And it was going to be interesting because <laughs> you're talking about what we are building is not just a training hub. We're building a school. We're building a full-time school. In fact, like a university with everything you want to think about with the structures. Of course, it's online, right? The structures, the processes, the curriculums, the, everything had to come together. So we started off in 2021. You know, we did a test run. And then in April 2022, we announced full-time and we launched out Tech School and Eastern Network as you know separate organizations. And then I remember when we were putting out a team of curriculum developers. One of the things that I looked out for was people that had actual experience with the fields that they were going to teach and not people that you know studied it and were going to tell me lots of mumbo jumbos. And the people that could relate with the environment, people that could relate with the students, people that you know had that passion as well. So again, I went preaching. I went preaching. Like I said, as a vision officer, you have to preach. So I went preaching. We started looking for the right people that was going to create curriculums. And then I remember one of this, in one occasion, I was speaking with one of the one of the curriculum developers. In fact, she had never created a curriculum in her life. All she knew is that she had this burning desire to make a difference. She had never taught children in her life as well. All she just knew was that she wanted to make a difference. So I explained to her, I was, I was, I, I'm always there for the recruitment panel. So I, I was there, had this long discussion and conversation with her. And then I asked her this question, you know, I, I explained to her everything, what it entailed to create the curriculums and everything, different processes. And then I asked her, can you do it? Chris, you won't be, you won't believe what she told me. She said, I can do anything I put my mind to. I said, that, that's amazing. I, do you know how hard it is to hear that from someone, especially in today's world? People don't really want to do things that are so hard again. They just want to do what, what they're comfortable at doing. They don't want to push themselves beyond the limits. But she was willing to do it. And then we started. And the highlight of it was August 2022. We had this program we called the Tech Summer Program. Tech Summer Program is during the summer kids from different parts of the country, different parts of the world right now, we've opened it up, can learn tech skills, right, during their summer break, you know, be empowered. And these are very practical and applicable tech skills that anybody can use no matter where you are in the world. But then she created this curriculum, other, other, with, of course, with other curriculum developers. And during that program, we had done one in 2021. After we did that one, that was like a pilot. We were asking the parents of the of the kids and teens to now give reviews of how this program was to them. We only got one written one written review. It was awesome. Only one. It was awesome. But guess what? 2022, we gave it all. We gave everything. In fact, it almost felt like we're closing down eSchool now, our tech solutions and advisory company, because we were putting all our attention on tech school. But then at the end of the day, we had this tech summer program. Just after one batch, we had the tech summer roundup where we invited the parents on a live call to tell the world how this program was and what they feel about this program. It's on YouTube, so I might not be able to say much, but the emotions was running down because in the live call, in the live call, I had parents packed out. These people last year were not willing to write that this program was valuable. But this year, I in a live call to tell the entire world what they have received. In fact, I even had a parent that was, of course, power failure was, was, was then, and then the parent just had a touch like this, this like, more like a touch like this. They just had a touch on their face and then with their child by the side, just so that they can tell the world how tech school had transformed the life of their children in just three weeks. It was, we have not broken even, and just as of today, we have not broken even for tech school. I mean, financially, we have not broken even. But you see, that was the board of faith that I needed. That was a seed of hope that I needed. It was a surreal moment to hear what this parent said. 
not just what the parents said, but to see in the life of the children that how it has, you know, you know when you put all your effort in something and you're not just sure that this is gonna, and then it just happens, and then the true transformation starts happening, and you start hearing parents say something like, Tech school has been able to help my son discover who, who they want to be in life, their career, their, you're saving kids. And I mean, that was something else. So you see, that has been the water cooler story for me, you know, and then of course to hear whether in different places, whether for uh, each network, our uh, teachers, teachers or educators being able to say something like, this program was so impactful, this program changed my life, this program did this, you know, all that has been- It sticks you with know, you, for sure. I mean, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, like the, the thing is, is like you have, as an entrepreneur, you have these dreams and visions and they're usually like they're stuck in your head, right? And then- of course, like you start the business to enable these ideas to get out into the world and, and to create impact. And when it, you know, when it happens so perfectly, the way like it, the way you just described, where you you get this vision out of your head and the actual result begins to like track together and align and come together, like that is a special moment, no doubt. Exactly. And like that, that is what makes being an entrepreneur, you know, completely worth it. All the hard days, long hours, sweat, <laughs> tears, you name it. But like when that magic moment occurs, like that's it. That's everything. It supersedes like whatever that represents from an economical standpoint. There, it's something deeper. There's something much deeper. So exactly. yeah, I appreciate you sharing exactly. that story because I think that's a, that's a really powerful one for anyone who's interested in entrepreneurship. Thank or you business. so much. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we can shift on over into this crystal ball segment. As the name implies, we're looking towards the future of trends, predictions, so on and so forth. And in terms of opportunities for African nations moving forward when it comes to youth empowerment and skill development, I mean, ostensibly, you know, the world is yet to like really feel the roar of what this continent truly offers, is at least the, the, the impression that I get. But certainly, like, I would love to hear what you have to say about this. I mean, being embedded within everything that you're part of right now. So what would you say to that? Yeah, I totally agree with you, Chris. You know, I think that. Africa, the continent of Africa is blessed. Blessed, but not yet to its potential. We are not yet to our potential. The world is yet to really get what we have. Chris, I don't say this to brag, but I say this to brag. You would never meet any more hardworking people than Africans. The most intelligent people you will meet on this earth will be Africans. The most interesting people you will meet will be Africans. See, I know you do have your own ideas and stuff, but I'm telling you the truth. But you know, I do think that there's a lot of a lot of empowerment that still needs to happen within Africa. A lot of empowerment. I and I also I also believe this empowerment has to be within. The problem of Africa largely has been itself. So it, there has to be a lot of empowerment when it comes to skills and stuff like that. I do think that. The awakening is coming in gradually. It's coming in gradually. People are gradually becoming more, but there has to be more. There has to be people that will become audacious and beyond just making profit, get out in the market and lend their voice. Not waiting until they become so this, so that, but lend their voice immediately and help out. And I think that's desperately what African is. And of course, guidance, mentorship is really required in Africa. Mentorship, which is why I told you, I really dedicate my time for that. Mentorship, funding from within, you know, and also mostly from within. I would really, I really appreciate funding from mostly within. And then of course, outside is good, you know, but like I said, Africa really needs to rise up to its own location. And I think there's a lot that really needs to happen. Of course, leadership is also yeah. one part of it. Leadership, uh, leadership has plagued Africa, but I'll let you get on with the session. I'm sure probably you might still get to, that's in, in yeah no i think like you know what you're doing as well you're playing a role in all of this you know certainly you know inspiring probably a lot of others and the company that with companies i should say that you're part of and leading are allowing for probably some of this transformational change to, to take place and to occur so yeah, it's got to be encouraging and it must be entirely rewarding for you to see like these baby steps from the the efforts that you're putting forth and again hopefully there's other companies that are you know, evolving in other parts of, of, of Africa itself within the continent that are, that are, you know, heading in this direction as well. 
you know, a lot of potential there and uh, exciting to see, you know, hopefully, you know, what's to come, you know, what is to come from it all. Thing about Africa, you see, we are, for example, I'm in Nigeria, and in three days' time or two days' time, we'll be having our presidential election as of today. And you see the young people are craving, craving for good leadership. Africa has just had bad leaders. I'm telling you, Africa has just, check out the few African countries that have been blessed with good leadership over the past few years and see their progress. Check Rwanda, different places, check Ghana. You see the, the leadership, at least where it's, it's sizably okay or better than what should be. You know, but I think leadership is a major thing. It's, it's, it's one thing that is lacking, which is why I take my work so seriously. Being in the educational spaces, it's not, it's not, it's not just a job, it's a passion. It's a, it's a, you have to be purposeful here. You have to, it has to be a calling because you're going against a lot of narratives. You're going against a lot of beliefs, a lot of structures that split the system for a lot of time because the leaders were made in the classrooms. The leaders were made in the classrooms. So what can we do today that they are still, hey boy, hey girl, before they become hey man, hey woman. So that's that's something that I think is also very important to this note. This might be a nice point to close things out, but I can't believe we've blown through this conversation. We've just, you know, flown through it. And uh, But it's been an absolute pleasure. I really, really enjoyed all of your insights and I, I can't thank you enough for, uh, for sharing them all. It's really been an awesome conversation with you, Chris. Awesome, really. Yeah, no, thanks so much, Joshua. I've really enjoyed it as well. And, uh, you know, for those interested in learning more about, you know, Joshua and his work, I will have full links for eSchool Now and all the other you know, group companies under there, the NPOs and everything, as well as the socials for all of these uh, these companies, uh, again, within the show notes. And also, too, I mean, if you like today's show, please be sure to share. It goes, you know, great ways to, uh, to, to helping advance some of these causes and get like conversations such as this and messages such as this out to others that, that might lead to, to change and, and inspiring others. So, yeah, please share. And of course, you can rate, review and subscribe wherever you access your podcast. And then finally, don't forget to tune into the next episode of Life as uh, we'll continue to explore and unearth the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. Until next time, stay curious about life and living.